filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Uh, so for some of our, our listeners that pay close attention on Twitter, you might have noticed a little while ago, maybe like a couple weeks ago, um, I tweeted a screen capture of something from my Ooh. football manager save. Um, my scouts recommended to me a uh, player that had been cut loose. I can't remember by what club, um, uh, but a, a higher level club had cut loose uh, a bunch of teenage trash players club. That- I'll say that much. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the player that they were recommending that I take a look at was an 18 year old midfielder named Adam Taylor. Um, and so I, did the scouting and Adam Taylor was actually pretty decent for an 18 year old at the level that, that I'm at. And I was like, you know, I don't think he's going to start, but he could develop into someone who's playing uh, a role on the team. So sure. We'll sign him. And um, I signed this full Adam Taylor to a youth contract, um, which I thought was just funny enough by itself. Um, so certainly good this- enough to, to tweet and to get me to consider, but not actually go through with, trying to speak with an English accent on this podcast. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Good choice. Oh, it's absolutely um, for the best. But, uh, so, so over the weekend, um, the, the, in the save in the football manager save, the season is building up. I'm just about to start to get into the regular season and, um, to get enough of my players, enough minutes in games to get them fit enough for the season. I have to have some reserve team friendlies as well. Um, and this is where uh, the fake Adam Taylor has been playing the, the majority of his minutes so far. Um, and I needed one more game before the season started. So I went to the little uh, schedule friendly screen and it brings you a little list of teams that you could, you could choose to play that are available that day that would definitely accept your, your challenge to a game. Um, and the name of the team, the first name on the list of teams that were being offered up as potential friendly uh, uh, opponents was Bromley FC, <laughs> <laughs> which is a real team. Uh, that's not like it a up thing. There is they're a in, real. They're in every- like conference national or conference north at this point. Yeah, they're they're pretty much occasionally this is pretty much their same model. Yeah, Ben, um, how do you not have one of their jerseys? Because it's expensive. Because uh, like it's they're low enough level that I'd have to pay a lot of shipping and tax to yeah. get one over here. Yeah, you pretty I much feel have like to, like, someone should have gotten you one as a gift. Yeah, and if you want to get me one, go ahead. If you go to England and find Bromley FC's stadium, go there and tell Ben all about it and bring him a jersey. Yeah, just bring um, me a jersey. Any player, <laughs> I'll, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a jersey. So, so I, I confirmed. I played this game with with Adam Taylor starting in central midfield against Bromley and the final the final score was 1-1 but Bromley got their goal because uh Adam Taylor uh on a half cleared corner uh was trying to chase down someone they they the ball got cleared out to the wing and their guy passed it back into an open player who was running to try and give himself a shooting angle 
and young Adam Taylor just ran at a full sprint until he ran straight into the back of this guy <laughs> and completely knocked him over and conceded a penalty kick that Bromley scored. Um, and it was just yeah, like, I like it. They go back and they show you the replay of the penalty so that you can get mad if it's a bad penalty. But it's just, it's not that he was trying to make a tackle. It's just that he ran in a straight line. It wasn't like he couldn't see the guy. He just ran in a straight line into the back of the player and knocked him down. He was excited I mean, like a puppy. I mean, it, if you're going to play the game like Adam Taylor, you're going to leave an Adam Taylor-shaped hole in the wall. <laughs> you gotta. That's how you got to play. If I've learned anything from Wayne Rooney. Um, I probably should have learned another lesson, but that is the one I learned. Slash fake Adam Taylor learned. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Fake Me podcast. I am Adam Taylor, the real one. Not the one that works for the Washington Post, mind you, who actually is English now that I think about it. I am a different Adam Taylor, but I am the real one. And uh, I'm here on filibuster along with jason anderson and ben bromley we're all from black and red united.com right one not bromley fc though bromley no. sc maybe okay. yes this is this is one human being ben bromley not an entire team <laughs> not like yeah not like 25 soccer players right no just just one soccer blogger and podcaster yes uh and one, jason anderson one Virginian. Jason Anderson, of course, one Marylander. One crab. Uh, we're all from Black and Red United covering the playoff bound DC United. Tonight, we're talking about the game that clinched their playoff spot, a three to one win over NYCFC. And we're going to preview the playoffs a little bit uh, before we know that much about them. DC will be in Illinois next week to play the Chicago fire on Sunday as part of decision day. All the Eastern conference games go down at four 30. It's going to be wild. A lot like this past weekend. Uh, only DC's on the road this time before we talk about any of this though, Ben Bromley, not FC. What are you drinking? I am drinking a bourbon tonic because bourbon and tonic are the things that I have. I put a little splash of lime in there. It's okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it, but yeah, if you're not a tonic head, uh, I like tonic, so it's so I'm I'm good with it. But I don't think I'd recommend it for regular daily use by regular people. Yeah, I prefer club soda. It just kind of, I think it plays better with more yeah. of the spirits that I like. Yeah, I'm not drinking any of that tonight, though. I'm just drinking some. Uh, we we had a bottle of Bordeaux, open cheap Bordeaux. I should should clarify. Um, and and so I'm polishing that off as we record. Jason, uh, I was running uh, as as always, running a couple minutes behind. My plan had been to make a margarita, uh, but to cut down on time, I put everything else back and just took the tequila and poured it into a glass. So I've got uh, Omeka Altos Blanco neat. Um, it's got a nice like a, a peppery note right up front that I, I really like anything with a little black pepper kind of uh, uh, flavor to it. Um, sure. So this is it's 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 pronounced, but it's definitely not overkill. So it's a it's a good tequila and it's also dirt cheap. Um, so if you find it, I highly recommend it. Have I told you all about how one of my coworkers black pepper is too spicy for her? And that like not not here, but elsewhere. You've told me. OK, like. 
it's too spicy for her, and like any other spiciness is just like far beyond her capabilities. That poor woman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't think we have to talk soccer. We get to talk soccer tonight. Uh, playoffs are a thing. DC United clinched a spot in the 2018 postseason last Sunday with a three to one win over New York City FC. That was uh, it was never really in doubt. DC United kind of controlled proceedings literally from the first minute when Wayne Rooney nearly scored a goal. He did get two over the course of this game. Lucho with one of his own, along with an all-timer of an assist on Rooney's opener. And we have to start by by talking about that um, that goal. Lucho's dribble, which was really emblematic of of his game and the influence he had on this one. He he. he basically uh if not killed then extracted the souls of five nyc players um just left them for dead on the field it was i i can't remember the last time we saw a run with the ball that was that good and led to a goal it was it was something special i um i pulled up a little map of uh lucho's completed dribbles after the game and my first <laughs> remark was just like oh wow look at this and i actually um steven streff who sits next to me in the press box and i think somebody was walking behind me and he stopped too i don't know who it was because i didn't look back um sorry to anonymous person walking by um but Steve we were all off. looking at it and it's, it's probably alex ovechkin or something right right uh the, another famous person that i would meet uh miss entirely um, just in love, well, everyone's just impressed that the number it was seven completed dribbles according to Opta out of nine attempted, um, wow. and they were all over the field, which is pretty cool. And then I was thinking to myself, like, how many of those? How many of those are being credited to the assist? And I went, and you can find the path he took by completed dribbles. It starts on the left wing and it goes towards the end line and it gets inside the box. Um, and it's like this this uh, upside down J shape uh, curling in, and it was like, all right, this is one more visual reminder of how great that was. And it was just, um, I mean, poor uh, Anton Tinner- Tinnerholm is probably going to have nightmares about it for weeks. Um, it's just the 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 danger of Acosta more than anything else, more than all, any of his other gifts, is just that ability to shift the ball to a different foot and get around his man, and, and not just get around, but get around in a, a manner where that guy is still leaning the wrong way, even after Lucho's already gone. Um, it's, it's something special and it, it's, I mean, it's what people pay to see, right? Yeah. I mean, this team is really, really fun. Um, we, we've talked all summer about how Rooney has unlocked Acosta and the, the two obviously enjoy playing together. And, and this goal was one of the reasons why there was a point later in the game i think in the second half where lucho went on another little bit of a run at the Mm -hmm. opposite end line and um everyone just kind of stood and watched because it's hard not to i know uh, pablo mar a friend of ours if you listen to open wide for some soccer you know him if you've ever read dc united content you've probably read his stuff or, or seen his photos um he he said he didn't get a photo of this goal because he was too busy yelling oh god oh god and then by the end just had his hands on his head he 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 lost he he lost kind of his not not his faculties but he he was just watching what lucho was doing and unfortunately later in the game that's what dc united's players were doing on this goal though rooney made a hard check toward 
Lucho, which was uh, really well done because it sent his defender essentially flying the wrong direction and created the space for him to to finish Lucho's little dink pass in, uh, after the, the mazy run. Uh, Rooney also set up Lucho's goal in this game. He's not going to get an assist for it because the touch came from a defender, but it was really outstanding holdup play. He kind of held off two defenders long enough for Lucho to get into position. And then when he did finally lose the ball, he lost it in such a way that the ball just rolled into space for Lucho to run onto it. It, I, I thought it was a great play from from Rooney there as well, but one that won't show up on the score sheet. Yeah, uh, it's the kind of hold-up play that has been missing for DC United for a while. Uh, he Rooney was able to do the, the, the double factor where he was able to uh, knock the ball down, control it. That, that in of itself has been missing from DC United for a while. But then he was able to turn and attack towards goal on the ball. And even though he got dispossessed, uh, he was still putting the ball into a dangerous area. And Lucho Acosta was just able to follow up and just smash the ball into the back of the net. But if it had been a different striker, I think that the ball wouldn't have been either as well knocked down or the turn would have led it to be dispossessed even earlier so i think even though he doesn't get an assist for it i think wayne rooney did a great job on that entire play to create it albeit inadvertently for lucho acosta i don't think it was inadvertent i think uh i I don't know it's necessarily how he drew it up but he knew that by the way he was attacking if the ball got out it was likely to pop out as opposed to being controlled by a defender um and that's a good thing to have. That's a good way to use aggression with the ball at your feet. Um, and, and so you know, I, I, again, I thought it was a great play by Rooney and the way he brought down the pass from, I think it was either Segura or Ariola on this one um, was another thing that, like you said, Ben Rooney definitely adds to the team. And we saw Lucho doing some of this when he was the furthest forward. And there was a long ball as an outlet. The two of them have such good skill that they can bring down those long balls and just stop them at their feet. They don't have to, they don't trap it and then have to chase it into the space that they knock it into. They can just hold it there, which sets them up to dribble or pass and lets them put their head up, um, which is really valuable, whether you're trying to kill the game off or, or, you're looking for a goal. And yeah, that strike was really good. <laughs> and that that little that that ability to take a first touch that's so clean. Um, I mean, everything in soccer comes down to the little tiny, tiny bits of time you can buy yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about players that have high soccer IQ, and it's the same thing. They get to a spot where they recognize a scenario just a tiny bit ahead. It's not like the other players never figure it out. Um, it's just that it's that little tiny bit faster and it adds up over and over again. And the same thing happens. If your first touch is the ball is exactly where you want it. Um, you have that much more time than if you're, the ball is a foot and a half away from where you want it, or even just that the spin of the ball, isn't the, what you had planned it would be. Um, just those little tiny, um, advantages you buy yourself. Um, it means everything. It's the difference between, a guy like Rooney or a guy like an Acosta versus, you know, the guys that play for the revs or whoever. Um, 
it's you know it it's small but it means everything to succeeding in this game yeah i remember danny cruz for some reason he popped into my mind here uh he had this ability yeah i mean he his nickname was crash he was super low to the ground and you know kind of thick set for a soccer player which is not actually thick set at all um but he had this ability to kind of react on the fly quicker than than other people when the ball was bouncing around in front of him and that let him play at a relatively high level but he was always reacting to his own touches in 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 a certain way if you have his ability to uh, of balance and strength which were really the the biggest parts of his athleticism and you combine that with the ability to read what's happening and also control the ball and you get a player more like Lucho and just that, that little bit of skill and combined with the, um, the kind of foresight and soccer IQ is, is just such a huge difference. And I like Danny Cruz. I liked him a lot. Um, yeah, for sure. But, but Lucho is just another class uh, from a lot of MLS players. It turns out uh, one thing that, that, Rooney and Lucho bring is is obviously a, a level of swag, uh, swagger to to the team. Lucho said in a, a video, he's like, "I like to nutmeg people. It's not that it's mean; it's just fun." Um, <laughs> is basically what he said, right? Uh, and I think that's right. Like he has fun out there, and when he has fun, he's he's playing well, um, and he finds ways to do that. He had this insane. Uh, pull back back heel pass between two defenders to put Ariola in a space in the box in the second half of this one. It was just like he was just trying shit just to do it and yeah. it was working. Everything he did kind of worked. And and that's awesome. And it, it it's contagious too. You you see Uli Segura doing crazy stuff and and Russell Knauss just like putting on mixtape type moves right. out there. And the two of them had me cackling actually right before uh, David Villa's goal, right before NYCFC pulled one back in this one. The two of them like combined on the right side to just like kind of ghost some NYC uh, defenders. Well, they they were attackers and they were pressing up, but they got into space and then uh, kind of a misplayed ball to slash by Rooney um, allowed Yanghel Herrera to to collect the ball and play the end of space and David Villa did David Villa things the rest of the way. But um, they, they were still doing stuff and having fun and embarrassing pigeons, which, you know, <laughs> is fun to watch. It's kind of the whole game, right? Like th- this game felt yeah. like DC United uh, just controlling NYCFC from start to finish. It felt like, um, you know, I saw the word uh, or the phrase toying with uh, thrown around, not just by DC fans having an awesome time, but by just random observers of the game. Um, people people on Twitter during the game were, were basically like, if you're watching this DC game, uh, you're basically watching them just run over NYCFC, um, which is a great statement to make. I mean, yes, NYCFC's form is terrible, as we talked about uh, on the last show, but um you still you don't want that kind of team to then find themselves a little bit against you. You want to be the team at this time of year playing against another playoff team that is may, maybe losing their way. You want to go out and uh, make them look a little foolish, and that's right. what we got. 
Yeah, I uh, I mentioned that. Well, actually, I want to go back to the the swagger after a couple of less inspiring performances. Both of them wins against Chicago and Dallas. Um, it was a little bit of a relief, I think, to see United playing back the way they were uh, a month ago, just with that undeniable we are better than you and we are going to embarrass you right now swagger, uh, especially like you said, against a playoff team and a potential playoff opponent at that. Um, whether that counts as bulletin board material or trying to get in your opponent's head, I'm not sure which side of the ledger it falls on, but I like it regardless. Uh, and some of that may have been down to some extra energy guys coming back from international break or from, grieving their their father and again condolences to the areola family but paul came in played right back was pretty good uh junior moreno came in and ben i know you liked his performance in this one yeah i thought like he was a great compliment to russell canals i've been a big fan of what uh chris durkin has done i love his passing i love his uh uh breakup play but i think for this team right now i think Junior Moreno is the right complement for Russell Knaus for the rest of this year. I think he does everything to complement him, and I think it just works. Yeah, I, I I've been pretty pleased with Moreno outside of the first, you know, the first couple months, and maybe this right. was just that classic, you know, everyone's new to MLS and they often have to adjust. Um, right. And his and, thing early on was that he would make one absolutely fatal mistake, right? A game, and it would always get punished. And he, he's over the course of the season, he's cut that out, right? And, and you know, what errors he makes now are smaller mistakes, and um, therefore they aren't getting punished as often because it's a smaller mistake, it's not letting your runner run into the box, it's just, mm-hmm. oh, I was, you know, a step out of position and, and a passing lane opened up a little bit. Um, he's, he's that classic defensive midfielder where he's super quiet in most of what he's doing. It's not, um, you know, the, the flashy tackles are, that's Russell Canals's job because he's more cut out for that style. Um, Moreno's job is to shut down passing lanes, make it difficult to get through, um, not necessarily piling up a ton of tackles. Um, but he's just sort of in the way a lot. Um, and that comes down, you know, when I mentioned soccer IQ, um, he's clearly a smart player because he's, he's not the kind of guy that has to run around a ton because he's always getting himself where he needs to be. And he's always that, um, that proper structure, um, underneath the rest of the group that is more mobile, that, that midfield is very fluid a lot of times. And he's the guy that's always in, he's that, that, um, that fixture in there that keeps everything, uh, balanced and that, you know, that you never see United, you know, you see some of these fluid teams out there and, and they will move themselves out of good defensive positions. And when they turn the ball over, all of a sudden there's a big gap between their midfield and their defense and Moreno makes sure that doesn't happen. Um, and he's been just one of those really good, quiet compliments. You know, we don't talk about him very much, um, not just on this show, but on the site, you know, as DC United fans, you just don't hear too much about him, but um, it's because of how he goes about his business. It's very quiet, but it's been really important to the rest of the group. 
Yeah, what was interesting is in the post-game interviews, multiple other DC United players shouted him out specifically mm-hmm. for his performance uh, because he does let the team kind of be itself, be the best version of itself. And um, I, I think Chris Durkin has a an incredibly bright future either here or dollar signs here and he's somewhere in Europe. But uh, the present right now, it does look like Junior Moreno. I do want to say how good is Russell Canals though? <laughs> He's so good. I mean, uh, he needs to be called up to the USMNT in January. It like I know people have a lot of fondness for Will Trap based on past 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 performances, but I feel like at this point Russell Canals is at least a one-to-one competitor with Will Trapp and a midfield with him and Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney could be really good. Or if Knauss is the first backup to those two players, that's also really good. I think he well, deserves Knauss a might shot. Be good enough that you let Tyler Adams move to the outside if that's where his future lies, which some people think it, it should. Um, or, or you replace... Yeah, if there's if a diamond is what whatever future U.S. national team mem- manager, all right, it'll be Greg Berhalter. He won't play a diamond. He will want Will Trap because he loves Will Trap. Uh, right, and that's, that's which is kind sad, of unfortunate because because Knaus, I I agree. I think Knaus is better with a higher ceiling than Trap, and some of that is is not Trap's fault. Obviously, it's nothing against him. It's just I think Knaus is is a better player and is in incredibly good form right now. I mentioned at the the top of this segment that DC kind of cruised in this one and, and the pigeons were never really uh, a threat in this one. If you're just looking at the basic stats, though you might have gotten a different impression. New York city had more of the ball. They had more shots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what that overlooks, I think, is is a, a few things. Game states, number one, the Pigeons didn't show up until the game was already 2 nothing. That's when they started to come into the game a little more. Um, and it could have been more than that. Um, like Jason said, people were describing this as DC United toying with uh, NYC. Wayne Rooney nearly had a goal 34 seconds into the game. Oh, really, probably should have. He should have. He should have finished that. You would expect Wayne Rooney, of all people, to, to mm-hmm. finish that. He was, I think further beyond the post the back post than he he realized otherwise that that is a goal um but this this one was just a i I said it was a relief to see the swagger is a relief to see just the the commanding performance too even if they did allow one late in the game yeah they they did a i think a pretty effective job um for the most part of making sure this game was easy. Um, and when you look at where New York was getting their shots, they are, they're not very good shots. Um, there's a lot of shots from 30, 25, 30 yards from angles. Um, they did get more shots in the box than Chicago managed, but there's still a bunch of them that are low percentage shots, you know, well out towards the edge of the 18 on the sides rather than, um, down the middle. Um, there's a lot of blocked shots in there. Um, And this is kind of the hallmark, even, even in DC's uh, scrappier days, this is kind of a hallmark of 
how Ben Olsen wants his team to defend. I would he say especially in those scrappier days. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I was thinking back mind. like 2014. Yeah. They don't necessarily mind if you're, you're, the opponent takes 16 shots. What they mind is the quality of those shots. And so if you have uh, Eloy Amagat, and I'm just picking the worst shot on the chart uh, from from uh, <laughs> this one. But if you have Eloy Amagat taking uh, taking aim from roughly the same place on the field that Wayne Rooney's free kick uh, was scored a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, if you've got Eloy Amagat taking that shot uh, at 2 nothing with a 2 nothing lead in the 32nd minute, that means you did a good job. It means that NYCFC tried to play their way through they couldn't figure it out, and eventually the ball found, found its way to Amagat's foot, which is good uh, when NYCFC has the players they have. You want a guy like Amagat on the ball instead. Um, and he looks around, and he doesn't see any other option, and he thinks, okay, I've got no forward pass. I've got no sideways pass. I can't beat this guy on the dribble. Uh, even if I do, there's someone behind him that's probably going to tackle me. I probably just have to hit it. Um, I'm just going to have a go. And that's the, that low percentage thing is my best option. That's good. Um, it does throw off. It does combat uh, a little bit with expected goals models, which definitely keep coming back to, well, DC isn't playing very well, even though I, I will point out that if you look at the XG over recent games, DC's keep DC's expected goals against keeps getting lower. Um, yeah. um, there's a, Someone tweeted, I can't remember who now, it was, it was sometime last week, but a list of, it was a DC's expected goal is very high, and then a list of them, but if even that list bears this out, it's like, yeah, the Atlanta game, Atlanta had a high, um, they should have scored more goals, and then after that it was um, a little lower, and then it just keeps getting lower until it gets to be about one against per game. Um, and this one was about of, three quarters of a goal, I think. Right, and, and a lot of those were these quantity of low percentage chances and if you're giving some guy some sort of like 0.05 expected goals against shot from 30 yards then that's probably pretty good um and even if he puts it on frame you've got bill hamid to make the save so um this is kind of what dc united wants there's a reason why um i think in a recent piece that ryan Kiefer wrote for us he he mentioned that um frederick briant is leading the league in blocked shots and that Russell Canals was, even though he's only played like half a season was still in like the top 10 um, or maybe, t- maybe it was top 10 amongst defensive midfielders, something like that. Um, but DC's way of defending is making it so that there's nowhere, there's no shooting angles except from very far away. And then you, you tend to miss those shots. Um, if you hold a team to these kind of chances and they happen to score, then, you know, what are you going to do? There's not, um, too much more you can do about that. Um, but it's much better than giving up, you know, be, look at the other side of this where maybe DC doesn't have a ton of great um, or, or a ton of shots individually, but the shots they get are all inside the box and they're all from really dangerous positions. And yeah, I think um, that's, that's something I, would, I do want to dig into is DC United. It, it seems like consciously foregoes those long range shots when they come up, unless there's, a, a great opportunity, a Wayne Rooney free kick. He Wayne Rooney took a long shot in this one. Yamil Assad used to be a little bit more trigger happy from distance right. and than he is now. Um and and they've kind of realized and this is something you see with, with 
some other with some Premier League teams and some national teams as well, is the players kind of realize they're in a position to take that shot. Their eyes get big, then they the switch goes off in their head. They're like, no, pass the ball. Yeah. Get a better opportunity. And that's what DC United seems to be doing right now is they're they're manufacturing higher quality shots that are worth more than the sum of low percentage shots that they're giving up. Well, just to clarify, just to use this game as an example, um, DC took 12 shots, but only three of them were from outside the area. Um, two were by Rooney. One was the Lucho goal. Um, and the rest, so the other nine are all inside the 18. Uh, NYCFC took 16 shots, and they've got seven, eight, nine, nine from outside the 18, and a tenth that's a very bad angle shot from just inside the 18 out on the right wing. Um, so even though DC took four fewer shots, they actually took far more shots from inside the box. And the, the spread of those shots is I think favorable. If you cut all the other shots out and just say, okay, who took the better shots from inside the box? DCs are still from better positions than NYCFCs uh, are. So you see that um, in the expected goals. I think DC United had a little over two XG for this one and, and NYC had less than one. Right. So it's expected goals technically does end up being a sum like over a long enough sample size, the sum of expected goals of all the shots you took should equal the non penalty, non own yeah. goal goals that you score. Um, it, it, if the cool. model is good, if the it's model still, is good and, and anyone that's got a good model will also be the first to tell you that it's not a perfect thing. Um, right. Especially on a single of- game basis. And this is kind of DC United's the reason why when they've been good, they've always been sort of like, oh, they're kind of breaking this uh, expected goals projection for them. And it's because this model doesn't really account for this approach to defending where you want the end game. If you can't win the ball is to at least force your opponent into a spot where the best option they have on their plate is a bad shot. Um and that's what you want. You know, you want that guy, you want Amagat thinking, well, maybe I can dribble this guy, but then I'm turning the ball over. So I guess I'll just strike it. Um, you want that decision in his head where he's like, man, these options suck. Um, I don't, I don't have anything good I can do here. Um, the, the least harm I can do is it's almost like I'm kicking the ball out of bounds just so that I don't turn the ball over. Um, it's like when the ball pops out after a corner, you're like, all I, all I have to do is just knock it back in hard. Right. And, and hope for the best because the alternative is I turn it over and there's a break the other way. Right. But yeah. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting is we saw DC United really improve their attack in the second half of 2016 when Patrick Mullins came on. But along with that, they, they kind of lost the ability to defend. We saw a Ben Olsen team that needed three goals to have any chance of winning. And this team is not like that. This team is scoring more goals than any DC United team in recent memory, but they're, they're able finally, it took them all season to kind of figure it out, but now they're, they're holding teams at the back as well, only giving up one or zero goals a game. That's promising going into the playoffs. That's, that's interesting and good in my mind. Yeah. it's against the traditional, uh, narrative about DC United's defense right now. Uh, Steve, Steven Burmum's playing well. Uh, Frederick Briant's actually playing well. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this team going forward. But 
I'm actually more confident in them right now than I have been in the last, like, three, four months. Well, that's an optimistic note. Let's end it there. We will be right back to talk about those playoffs and and the last game DC United has to play before they start. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. Whatever happens when DC visits the Chicago Fire 4.30 on Sunday afternoon, watch it on ESPN Plus or your local Sinclair station, this much we know. The Black and Red will be playing in the knockout round of the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs. Yeah, I'm surprised Jason didn't have the actual one queued up. I know, right? That'll happen Wednesday or Thursday night. We'll, we'll find out after Sunday afternoon. And if DC United do win on Sunday afternoon, that game will be at Audi Field, um, which is kind of inconceivable, um, except that it, it actually might happen. Uh, a, we didn't spend much time just like reveling in the fact that we're back in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. so let's do that now. Uh, <laughs> There it is. Thank you, Jason. Uh, I I was, I, I think, on the optimistic end of the spectrum when Rooney was announced and, and held out hope through the, the kind of slog that was the first half of this season. I, I kind of maintained hope that there would be some kind of run. This was, this has exceeded my even optimistic expectations. Yeah, I had much less uh, hope than you did. I feel like I was close to writing the team off, or probably did write the team off multiple times uh, down the stretch, but they proved me wrong, and I'm happy that they proved me wrong. Yeah, I, I will add that um, in the press conference, we didn't really use the quote for anything, but Ben Olson mentioned that um, they'd always hoped, you know, they knew coming into the season that it was going to be really tough staying in touch uh, during the road string, um, and that they hoped that they could do well enough at home 
to give themselves a shot at getting into the playoffs. And he said, did I expect it was going to take this kind of run to, to get, to get in? No, I didn't because DC is on borderline unprecedented, uh, form. Um, and he, he openly admitted, he said, you know, we thought if we got hot, we could, we could do this thing. We did not think it was going to take as much as it did. Um, but they're also in a game early, um, which I feel like is crazy. Um, yeah, that's awesome and nuts, I mean, but awesome. I know coming into the season, my my prediction was that maybe they would go into this game against Chicago, you know, with some sort of theoretical long shot hope, kind of like Montreal is actually in this the situation Montreal is right. in. Um, or maybe, maybe even as much of a long shot as like RSL's long shot is out in the Western Conference where um, they have to sit and watch and hope the Galaxy lose. Um, I hope so too. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought you know if, if they go, if they can go beat Chicago on the final day of the season and get like three other results to all go exactly the right way, then maybe they they sneak in. But that probably that wouldn't happen. That they would finish seventh. I was thinking that we would have a lot to build on, but not a postseason to look at. And not only did they get in, but they got in early, even though. Um, you know, the East has pretty good teams. Philly is a good team. Uh, the Red Bulls, unfortunately, are very good. Atlanta is, unfortunately, very good. Um, Columbus not- was good for a while there and is still holding on. Montreal hasn't gone away. Um, Montreal has been really good outside yeah. of the 5-1 loss to D.C. Um, they've been really good over this stretch. It they They are probably better right now than either the crew or nycfc they they would be a much tougher out in the playoffs i would say than sure. than either of those and also a bad harbinger of of past times where dc got yes. hot and then hosted a playoff game against the impact yeah um that would be it's also, well, bad. It's also bizarro montreal impact because usually they get hot and burn their way into the playoffs and this year they're getting hot burning their way into probably not the playoffs though they could bounce i mean if, uh, if columbus. columbus can find a way to lose to orlando then uh they can find a way to lose to anyone as a sidebar can we just say <laughs> if columbus loses i just can't with greg Berthalter with the usmnt i mean i know he's probably he's almost definitely going to get it regardless but it'll just make me mad let me, I mean, let me i'm i'm less since we talked about this it's an epic collapse in- I, I was able to accept Greg Berhalter. I'm actually less sanguine on it now yeah. Yeah. Uh, than I was then. Um, and not just because of the playoffs, but like just thinking about it more. He's just, I'm, I'm more and more underwhelmed by, by that potential selection. Uh, w- whatever happens in this Sunday's games. Right. Um, I'm if, less and less on the, the Berhalter train. I, I want to um, outline. Not that I was ever on it. I want to outline what, Columbus's final four games, if if they happen to lose uh, and let Montreal take their playoff spot from them, and that's exactly what it would be. I'm not. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. A selection yeah. of words. That is what would happen. That is 100. percent Their yeah. final four games of the season would go a home zero zero draw with Philly, uh, who were, if I'm not mistaken, playing a short squad due to their Open Cup uh, duties midweek, uh, the days before that then a 3 nothing loss at Montreal, then a 2-1 loss at Orlando, snapping um, the longest run of bad form in league history. 
Um, and then they would have to lose to Minnesota at home on the last day of the season, a, a Minnesota team that is missing, I don't know, like nine guys from their brawl with uh, uh, Colorado. I can't even remember how many guys got in trouble with that. And they were um, already awful. So so it's not even just a collapse. It's it's a collapse playing two home games and you know two road games, one of which is against a historically bad team another against a tired, uh, depressed B-team version of the Philadelphia Union. So, I mean, that Orlando game was almost in a neutral venue, too. There was nobody there. Yeah. Um, uh, Lions fans decided they have had enough of, of their team. Um, I mean, which, I can't you know, blame them. Really. <laughs> you, you can't blame them because that team is truly terrible. But, uh, yeah. And we, we know from terrible. We've been through bad times right. with so, DC United when there was nobody at RFK. But, but also... Orlando, <laughs> to a certain degree, yes. No, to all degrees. A consistent <laughs> message from Ben. Uh, yep. That one's, that one hasn't changed in some time. It um, has never changed, and it will never change. But yeah, you know, Columbus would finish the season with five losses in their last ten, and only two wins in their last ten if they screw this up. So, um, yeah, uh, it would be one of the. It, it wouldn't be a FC Dallas. Um, 2017 yeah, that was uh, just last year they just it's completely- been a long year guys yeah th- this dc schedule this year has completely destroyed my ability to tell when things happened in the recent past um if it's not like a long-term fixture like as like okay i remember my dad's birthday that was in april um but anything that was like just a one-off this year is like hey do you remember when we were at the beach this summer and like uh oh mm, summer uh are you sure that happened do we have summer was the nine months between march and now um which was not nine months but it's just it's it would be shocking for the crew especially because the crew got the the good news that that they needed that had been hanging over their team that they're not gonna end up as uh austin um at least this current iteration of them is not going to end up as the Austin. Um, they were even gonna, just to be, the, they were just going to be Austin FC because why think of a name when you can just tag FC on your, your team, because that's cool. Um, but yeah, they got the good news. They got the thing that should have lifted their spirits. And instead it's just been the same. Uh, if so yeah, they've, I guess that kind of leads us into, which team would you, you know, which teams are informed what's going on with them because the crew aren't good. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about the scenarios before we get into that. DC United can finish anywhere between, well, inclusive. They can finish anywhere fourth to sixth. If they win in Bridgeview on Sunday, they will finish fourth. If they lose, they will finish fifth or sixth and have to play a, a road knockout game. They, there's a chance they could back into the, uh, the fourth spot with a draw in Chicago if NYCFC beats Philadelphia and if the Columbus crew uh, fail to win, then they can then DC can can back into that fourth spot and and still get a home playoff game. If they play at home, it'll be against the Pigeons or the Union. If they're on the the road, it could be to any of the the three teams that they could play. Montreal can still get into the playoffs, but there's no scenario in which DC United can face the impact, which I remember 2016. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm no okay with you. not playing them in the knockout round anywhere. 
just just pull him more away. Wait, just wait till Nacho Piatti is no longer in the league, or or has been traded somewhere else. Because God, the the guy had an incredible year this year. Yeah, and he, he just he deserves to be on a good team. Yeah, he just if he were playing in on an American MLS team, then we wouldn't show about him. Right. If Joey Saputo had gone through with this threat to to trade him because anyone no one was untouchable and if someone had made a, a good offer for Piotti and Saputo had actually gone through with it like if Atlanta had grabbed oh him God. that that would they they would be the greatest MLS team ever like you or put Joey, him on any team any or team Joey Saputo had moved that just that team to Austin <laughs> out of rage you would assume just Joey Saputo got mad and was like screw yeah, it I'm moving he would team. move it to like right. Northern Italy or something, though. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yes, or but... Quebec City. <laughs> he would resur- resurrect the Quebec Nordiques, but uh, as a soccer team. All right, they had a fun logo, so that would be that would, that'd be kind of cool. But, I, I, I mean, Jason, I think you're one of the founding members of the the Piatti fan club, uh, and, and I'm an early adopter uh, as well. The the dude is so good and so fun and I, I for for his sake and and for the sake of the league i would i would be totally fine with him going to another mls team i i would kind of prefer a western conference team just so we're not <laughs> facing him directly uh two or three times a year but man if he gets in the right situation then the the dude deserves some hardware i would say um but I think that's all we're going to say about Montreal tonight. Uh, NYC, Philly, and Columbus are the three potential opponents. Uh, ben, spin the big wheel. Who do you want to start with? NYCFC. I like the commitment are, to the bit. Yeah, because they are bad right now. <laughs> as we learned this as weekend. We, as we have learned and as they have continued to reinforce, they are bad right now. And I would like to play them again. Yeah, uh, uh, like I said in the yeah. the last segment, um, DC United thoroughly stomped all over NYCFC. And I, I imagine that would be in their heads coming into this, whether that counts, whether Dome Torrent can turn that into bulletin board material and motivate his team on that or, or not. I would lean toward the latter uh, in, in my assessment of Torrent so far uh, that said, they will have young hell Herrera back, which makes them uh, much better. Uh, he, he had the assist on David Villa's goal, uh, including the tackle that created the opportunity. So uh, I, I think they, won't be quite as much of a a pushover in the playoffs, but at the same time that we, we have to see more from them before you consider them anything other than one of the easier outs. And so they've won two in the last three months. Like, I, I I know Columbus has been on a slump too, and we'll get to Columbus in a sec, but given those three, I would totally want to see NYCFC, especially if we have them at home. Uh, if we're at their weird tiny stadium, then maybe I change a little bit, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Overall, definitely NYCFC. Yeah, yeah. If we, if we get the four seed, I want, I want the pigeons. Yeah. It, you know, at New York city FC, that's a team that has 11 wins in their 15 home games. Um, their playing surface doesn't make any sense. It's not really up to league standards at all. Um, 
but that's not going to stop them from, especially since the Yankees uh, were knocked out of the baseball playoffs at some point. Um, so there's no chance of a Hartford, Connecticut playoff game, which was the Whitney Stadium, which was, you know, a theoretical possibility at one point yeah. um, because they probably shouldn't have been admitted into the league when they were because there wasn't and, and they should be plan. they should still be removed from the league right because they they don't have a place to play that's suitable for nope, soccer sure don't um, but uh yeah like Ben mentioned like this is a team that has two wins in their last twelve games um I think it's two wins four draws six losses in that time um. Their fan base, uh, and we're not talking about their some of their terrible fans. We're talking about their reasonable fans that, including the you know some of the guys we've had on this show as guests. Yeah, um, we're not even talking about the Nazis that are their fans, right? Yeah. We're, we're, um, we're, can we? I, I think it's not controversial to to say Nazis and hooligan cosplay are are two terrible tastes that do not go well together. Yeah, it sucks. Don't do yeah. that. It's bad. Don't, don't do either guys. of those things. Um, Especially don't do both of those things. But, you know, this is a team that uh, Torrent hasn't figured out how to get them to do whatever it is he's trying to get them to do. Um, whether it is he has a good plan that the players aren't picking up on or whether ah. he's just not very good. Um, yeah. Whatever it is, they're bad right now. And, and they're a team that DC United just bossed around. I mean, if it's a knockout playoff game and you go out and take a two nothing lead that quickly, um, you've pretty much put yourself one foot in the the next round right away. Um, and then you can start even thinking, you know, you might even have the luxury of making a substitution based on fresh legs for the next round. Uh, it could be that good of a scenario. So um, they're a great team to get to host, um, but you do have to, you know, you have to have some respect for their home record, which has been, in place in their even, stupid dumb stadium you know even even in this bad stretch of form they haven't lost very many at home it's all road losses um they've managed to hold people to draws at, at their place um and the other thing you do have to respect is the fact that they still have a ton of talented players like david via is going to be on the field for them um Herrera, no matter what david via is going to score a goal against us uh, yeah, it's it's nine. Via has nine goals in his nine appearances against DC. Yeah, um, he's going to score Morales, no matter what. You, you have to expect that Morales will be back, um, which is another extremely talented player that maybe doesn't get enough attention. Um, that's it's still a team that has really really good players on it um, that could, you know, score a goal out of nothing like they did um, on the weekend. So. There are things to worry about. They're certainly not completely. Uh, yeah, they make perfect. the playoffs. They're they're a good team. Yeah, um, but at the same time, you know, their recent form, especially as a visitor, would be that's the one you want. Uh, I think we're I think we're all in agreement on that. That if DC's got a home game, you want to see NYCFC lining up on the other side. Yeah, they're right now. They're in the playoffs based on their pre Dominic Torrent. Uh, yeah. Which was great. Performance. Their, their form early in the season was excellent. Yeah, when he took over the team, they were one point behind the Red Bulls and very much in the Supporter Shield conversation. And since then, they've averaged less than a point per game. Yeah, they've been they've been worse than DC United were in the first part of the season, which is bad. saying something. Uh, so yeah, they're they're definitely the the team that you would prefer to face if you were going to play anyone in the playoffs, which. 
is better than not playing anybody in the playoffs, as we learned in in some recent years. Jason, your turn to choose. Uh, I I don't know if this is a coin flip, a wheel, or or what bit we want to do, but Columbus or Philly next. Uh, let's get into the crew. All right, back to the crew. Uh, we we've talked about Greg Berhalter. We've we've talked about their very recent form or lack thereof. Uh, this is still a team that got Jesse Zardes looking like a, a a very good forward, which he's a fine forward and he's good at tapping in chances. And when the crew are working, that's what they generate. They generate tap ins for Jesse Zardes. Right now, they're not working so much, though. Jason, why why is that? Well, first, I'm going to throw. I'm going I'm to put you guys on the spot. Uh, play a little game here. Um, okay. Outside of Zardes, I want you to name the next two top the ne- the next two goal scorers on their list. So number two and number three for their team in goal scoring this year. Justin Miram. No, no, he's been Orlando most of the year. I, I like, know, Miram, but I, I was no. thinking he might have brought him back. Just got back. Ethan Finley. No, he's gone. Pedro Santos. No, he doesn't score goals. Um, Will Trap? Uh, no. Will Gaston Trap has Saros? one goal in like 10 years of his. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's Josh Williams. Is Gaston yeah. Saro still playing for them? He could get some set. He's on their goals. roster, has not played. Okay. Uh, I don't actually know who plays at center back for them anymore. Um, tell me then Zach you- Steffen has a goal. Zach <laughs> Steffen has not scored a goal. For the- <laughs> that, that's um, too bad. The the top three goal scorers for them are Zardes with 16 in 32 games. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Yep. Uh, Federico Iguain with six. Oh, of course. 29 appearances, which is okay. Six. Is, yeah. And then Nico Hansen has three goals. No, no. In 941 uh-uh. minutes. No, he's not you. tied. He's not tied for third. He is in third. No, a- no. After that, it's Harrison Awful has two goals this season, and oh, no one Jesus. else on that team has more than one goal. Oh, um, the crew How does Pedro Santos have. That's insane to me. I knew he didn't score good. goals, but the degree to which he doesn't score goals is yeah. hurting my head. Um, but yeah, uh, the crew have four. How does goals Justin Miram not have season? like three goals for the crew even this year? Or- Orlando broke him is why, uh, right. and he wasn't allowed to play against Orlando to regain. Well, I know, but yeah, right. Still. Yeah, the the crew have forty goals in thirty three games as a team, and that is behind ev- everybody else that in the playoffs. the The Union are the lowest scoring team above the crew in either either conference's playoff pool, and they've got forty eight. So everyone has significantly more goals than Columbus in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that uh, the crew are, I think, middle of the pack on expected goals, and they just don't have finishers. Um, yeah, it's they, Zardes they or goals. yeah, um, and to, playing to, in a good situation, or or Zardes with a yeah. a, a tap in where he can use that terrible first touch and just direct it towards goal. <laughs> And like if you we were talking come- about the con- close control and the the clean first touch that Rooney and Lucho have, Zardes is exactly the opposite. But that can work for you if you can channel it, and and that's what he's done when he's been on. And if you want to compare DC United, who were in last place in the Eastern Conference for a lot of this year, have twenty more goals for than Columbus. They have sixty right now, and Columbus has forty. So on the other side of the ball, how's Columbus's defense? I mean, 
pretty good. Um, they've given up 43 goals, which would put them uh, third in the East's group of playoff teams and uh, sixth, I guess, in the among the current playoff teams. Um, so they're they're respectable. Um, Zach Steffen is a good goalkeeper. They've got Awful is still very good right back. Um, uh, Jonathan Mensa and Lalas Abukar have both been pretty good at center back. Um, it's definitely not the defense's fault that they are the way they are. Um, it's just that you can't go very far if you've got a solid but not great defense and an offense that just can't score. An um, offense that is only better than Colorado in the entire league. And, you know, looking at their recent results, this this slump they're on, it's mostly zero or one. They have they scored two goals in a loss at Portland uh, last month. But other than that, it's um, oh, and they scored two on the Rapids to in one of their only wins <laughs> of recent vintage. Um, but it's a lot of getting shut out or only scoring one. So this is a team where if you can put two goals on the board against Columbus, you're probably going to beat them um, because they just haven't had the firepower, even though they, you know, they tend to win the possession battle and they tend to play pretty good approach soccer. And it's not like you look at their roster and you think this is a bunch of bums. They've got good players. It's just, they can't turn it into goal scoring chances very often. And that means that they're not that good. And when they do turn it into a a good chance, it sounds like they, they don't actually score. Right. Or, you know, also, you know, they've got Zardes and you hope that you know, if you're Columbus, you hope that Zardes scores. I'm also looking at um, this is another stat that I hadn't noticed until just now, but uh, Zardes has scored 14 goals at home and two on the road. So um, their road, go- they don't have, they barely have any road goals um, at all. Yeah. <laughs> you just scroll well, down. Zardes isn't scoring them. Nobody else is either. Yeah. Um, you know, Iguain has scored twice on the road. Nico Hansen actually has all three of his goals on the road. He's their top <laughs> road goal scorer. Right. No, so no. if, if I, we are... I deny that, I deny that that cannot be possible. So if, if DC are hosting the crew in a little over a week, or I guess one week from the time people are listening to this, uh, Mark Nico Hansen out of the game. Yeah, or, or you know, if you see <laughs> if you see Nico Hansen around DC the day before, offer to take him out drinking and just you know throw a couple hundred dollars towards the bar tab. Um, and uh, I mean, you can you can crowdsource that too. Like people yeah, will chip in. Yeah, we'll chip in. We'll 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 pass the hat. I, 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 I will not. No. Oh, all right. Well, I'll donate well, to that good cause. Uh, yeah, to just well. have him hung over uh, so that he can't be effective. I mean, the goal is to have Nico Hansen suffering flu-like symptoms uh, the the day of the game. A mysterious uh, scratch during the warm-up. Yeah, I mean, that was my one of my happiest days. Like, it, it's down the list now from where it used to be because, you know, marriage and Two parenthood. Um, so it's not as high on the list of happy moments as it used to be. But one of my... Uh, happy moments was when I, I learned and realized that in the NBA, when someone misses a game with flu-like symptoms, it's generally because they're hungover from before. <laughs> not maybe good. not generally, but it's often because of that. Like when they they don't say no, he's out with the flu. 
but it's flu-like symptoms, it, it just means they went out and partied too hard, which is, it still delights me and tickles me. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, I wish I could miss. I, I, there are times like looking back at days I spent at work just miserable. I was like, man, if I could just scratch with flu-like symptoms, that'd be outstanding. <laughs> You just call in and be like, oh, it's like I have the flu. It's similar to it. <laughs> yeah, I just, it, at the time, sick leave wasn't as much of a thing. And so, anyway. I don't want to play the union. I, I know it's weird to say, but I just don't want to play the union. I mean, they are the team that most recently made DC United look uh, very beatable. Um, granted, that was, well, I guess appropriately that was when united were on very short rest uh as as jason highlighted in a previous episode dc united on three days of rest versus four days of rest is a very different team and this one was on that that two nothing loss at home to the union was on three days rest and potentially if dc united's playing on halloween whether it's in chester or here if they're playing the union it could be on three days rest again then and the union are the one team that we're going to talk about that is in good form. They're seven two and two in their last eleven games. Um, they did lose the open cup in a fashion that uh, was probably very frustrating to all of them. But uh, in MLS, they haven't let it get them down. They even won some of those games with uh, a B team so that they could field their best guys for the open cup. Um, they have a, a very balanced offense. They've got a lot of contributors scoring. Um, it's a little like DC. It's not quite as prolific, but um, you know, Fafa Pico has nine goals. Corey Burke has ten. Corey Burke has nine. Um, Ilsenio, Bork, Dochkal, CJ Sapong, even though he hasn't scored in a while, still has uh, a few to his name. So they aren't a team where it's like, well, if we can't generate this one kind of chance for this one guy, we're sunk. Um, you know, so there's that. There's the fact that DC, I think, is on a six or seven game winless run against Philadelphia. Um, and then if you bundle in preseason games, it's I, I want to say it's seven or eight at that point. Um, Jim Curtin seems to have a good understanding of how not just how he wants his team to play, but how to deal with DC United, um, both the good version of DC United from the back half of 2016 and the bad version of DC United from last year. Um, his team, I mean, yes, United was tired in that game, but they also managed to really make United look like a team that could be um, shut down. Um, and they did it by playing the brand of soccer they like to play. They like to possess the ball. They have a central midfield that can compete with any central midfield in MLS, even though um, none of us are particularly fond of Alejandro Bedoya. He's having a spectacular season that isn't really getting talked about very much. I like um, Ali Bedoya as a player. Yes. Funny. Yes. It's the human <laughs> being that is not so great. Um, but, you know, if there's a weakness with the union, it's the lack of experience in the back. The fact that they've got um, Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie and or Jack Elliott um, as their starting center backs means they've got two uh, academy teenagers and a fourth round draft pick that's in his second season as their center backs. And generally in MLS, you don't see. Um, teams do well with that kind of inexperience at that position. So, um, you know, the, the union, even though they've been drawing a lot of praise, their home record isn't intimidating. They've lost six times at home this year. Um, 
they've only, you know, they've played 17 home games and they've got nine wins. So they've barely won 50% of them. Um, their goal difference is only plus one. So it's not like they have that um, ability to blow people out of the water. Um, on the other hand, they've also been one of one of the best road teams. I think outside of Atlanta and the Red Bulls, they're the best road team in the East. Um, they've won six road games this year. Um, so they aren't the kind of team like Columbus, you get them at home. You think, okay, they're probably not going to score any goals. Um, NYCFC, they're just in horrible form right now. You think, okay, we should be able to take care of them. Uh, Philly definitely looks like a more formidable foe, uh, from front to back. They've got, um, a lot of positives going for them. And, you know, really the, the one knock I can think of is just that inexperience at center back. So if DC United is on the road, it will either be at NYC or or Philly. I think for the reasons Jason said and and the reasons we talked about earlier, Philly's probably the the preferable of those two, even though they are in better form. At home, they are less, uh, I, I guess, quirky, unbeatable yeah. than NYC FCR. Um, it's not that they're good at home. NYCFC it's just that it it's a difficult place to play and I think I'm obligated by by my own history to to note that as a neutral going to Yankee Stadium and watching a soccer game is really fun but when your team is involved it's really really infuriating um probably for the same reasons yeah um, um whereas you know um Talent Energy Stadium is a, an easy drive uh Steven Streff after the game and I were discussing this because we're I'm pretty sure he's locked in to go wherever. And I'm probably the same if, if it's a road knockout round game. Um, I've already made my preparations to, to make sure I can make it. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the drive up there is easy. Um, it's a nice stadium to watch a game in. I mean, it's not near anything, um, but the game itself is, it's a pleasant place to watch a game. It's windy like uh, Audi field is um, because of its proximity to the, the river. Um, I will say that I feel like there's a little bit of a, you know, we've talked in years past about RSL fans getting very nervous when they have a big game at home um, because past history has taught them to be nervous about it. Um, the union are kind of in the same boat. They've had a few, you know, they've had two open cup finals lost. Um, this is a team that has barely ever gotten into the playoffs. So they're already in kind of um, rare territory and, and their, their initial reaction as a fan base has been, to be uncomfortable with this level of success, just, just getting in is already like, I don't know about this. Um, So I I think they might be the kind of team that doesn't get um, the kind of fan support that they need. If things start to go wrong, it's not that the fans are going to turn on them like the traditional Philly sports fan experience where they end up booing and throwing objects at their own team. Um, It's more of a nervousness that will creep in if the the game just isn't going according to plan or if, you know, DC has shown a knack for going out and scoring goals on teams pretty quickly. Um, if you go to Philly and get a one, nothing lead on them in the first 15 minutes, I don't think that stadium becomes uh, an intimidating place to play anymore. Especially if uh, a couple bus loads or, or several bus loads of DC United fans make their way up there, which will hopefully be the case. Um, yes, it- Sitting in the inexplicably um, placed away section at Townland Energy Stadium, which is uh, very close to where the Suns of Ben sit. I don't know yes. who made that call. I mean, it, they, they are disconnected. There is a gap. Yeah. 
but still, um, there's a way to set things up and it's put the away fans as far from the home supporters as you can not put them close together and just, you know, move on with your life. Yeah. It's bizarre. Like they, they have the river end, which is where the sons of Ben are and literally zero sections over from, from that there's like, like Jason said, there's a walkway, um, that that's at field level and not. And so there's a gap in the stands, but you can have a one-on-one conversation with a member yes. of the sons of Ben from the away support section. It's bizarre. And yeah. the uh, good news is that these two fan bases have mostly gotten along. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, when I've been up there, there've been a lot of uh, four letter words and middle fingers exchanged. Right. Uh, I, I know someone security at, talent energy field has also been up and down through the years. I know a DC United fan who was arrested for taking his shirt off. Yeah. And, and union fans have also run into problems with security there. Yeah. Um, So that's an aspect that if you're traveling, if that's the matchup and you travel that one um, to keep an eye on, but it's a little different than going to NYCFC where, as we mentioned earlier, uh, there are Nazis running around up there. Um, Yeah. Yep. There's so a lot of good people. Way, if you travel for a playoff Nazis. game, stay safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't don't go to jail during a playoff game if you can avoid it. Um, especially knowing that they are historically have looked for very small infractions to to crack down on people for. Um so knowing that this knockout round game for DC United will be three or four days after uh the the game in Chicago and we don't know which we don't know until Sunday night after all the games have been played when the knockout round game for DC will occur. So with that in mind, who do you want to see Ben Olsen run out in Bridgeview? Do you want to see a full strength lineup and really go for the yes. the home game? Or do you want to see them kind of temper things and keep some guys fresh for the playoffs? You you gotta go all out. You gotta go for the home game, because uh, like you don't know what what's gonna happen after that. So you've got to go all out for the home game and keep this home vibe rolling. And the only way to do that is to win against the Chicago Fire, a team that is eminently beatable. It's not like you're playing the New York Red Bulls. It's not like you're playing the Philadelphia Union. You're playing a team well eliminated that you've beaten handily recently. So you should be able to go to their stadium and beat them and secure a home playoff game. Yeah, I'm with Ben. Um, I think the fact that the split for DC United and, and yes, it's been a weird season and yes, um, I don't think their road record reflects who they actually would be on the road uh, at this time of the year. Um, I still think it's worth pushing for that one more home game um, rather than having to go, um, as we talked about, you know, at Philly has its problems because the union have had United's number at NYCFC is a road game against one of the best home teams in MLS on a field that is not suitable for humans. Um, either way, those are bad. That's bad. You don't want either of those things. So, um, bringing somebody to Audi field and making them deal with coming here to a stadium where DC has been pretty much unstoppable for quite a while now, that's what you want. Um, and I'd also bring up the the last time DC was in this situation, they went to Orlando, rotated out a B team, 
Um, and it wasn't, it didn't determine, you know, they still got a home playoff game in 2016. Um, but they did send out a B team in Orlando. They lost. And I don't know that they lost something in the translation. Um, but I definitely see, um, for superstitious reasons, I think to myself, let's not do that again. Um, any parallels with the 2016 playoffs we should avoid. Right. Uh, you know, it was nice to see Julian Boucher do so well in that game. And I, I kind of, um, whenever I see him, you know, training or what have you, I still think, you know, what could have been was that game for him, but for the rest of the team, it was terrible. Um, and you know, I want to distance myself from that if I'm DC United. So yeah, go, go to Chicago. I mean, if someone's got a knock and you're like, well, if I play him in this game, I can't play him in the playoff game, then maybe, you know, that spot gets rotated, but I don't want to see, um, you know, Darren Maddox starting over Lucho or Wayne Rooney. Um, with yeah. all due respect to Darren Maddox, I think you, you have to go, go for it as much as you can. Um, and hopefully that's what we're going to see. It sounds like Ben Olsen, at least in his comments, is thinking the same thing. He He's talked about how big a home playoff game would be in the knockout round. And I think someone compiled the numbers. There have been 20 uh, knockout round games over the last five years since they switched to this format and five road teams have won. That That's a three to one advantage for, for the home team, which is even bigger than the odds makers would probably set. So it's, it's a real insignificant advantage to play at home. And I agree. You got to go for it. Um, maybe we see, maybe Nick DeLeon you save for the playoffs because he might not be 90 minutes. Maybe you use him as a sub again this weekend so that you can start him on Wednesday or Thursday. Other than I, that. I disagree. I, I think you need to get uh, Paul Ariola back in his right wing spot. So he has, reps in the right wing spot but regardless. i think that's fair but I, I i i can see the argument is what i'm saying and but but like jason said you got to have lucho and rooney out there uh i think you got to have Assad out there you got to have Kanaus. obviously your your center backs have to be out there um so yeah, I, I think hopefully Ben Olsen is not doing the thing he does sometimes where he he trolls in the press and says the opposite of what he means uh, when it comes to future games, which is a completely legitimate thing for a coach to do going into a high leverage game. Um, but But I hope he's not doing that. This time I hope he's just being straightforward and saying, yeah, a home game is something we need to get and we're going to go out there and get it. Um, but we'll see come Sunday what DC United plans to do. Anything else from you guys before we call it an evening? Nothing here. I think we've said enough. I think that was the case before we started, but uh, we will call it a night now. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that we're on itunes we're on stitcher we're on soundcloud wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe ratings and reviews i'm told uh help us out a lot 
do that if you're so inclined. Uh, mostly, though, we really appreciate it when you tell a friend about the show. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail dot com. That's it for us. We will talk to you uh, about the postseason with more specificity next week. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Playoffs! Playoffs!